kind of just being aware how your body's feeling, what you're thinking, how things are shaping up. I mean, you can go out and shoot 65 one day and the next day you peel off of 74 and you're like, what just happened? It's a funny game. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another Park Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my main man, my partner in crime, Mr. Matt Cermak with me. Ev, good to see you. That was hey, a great episode. We're fresh off the bachelor party. It's good to see you. It was oh, great to see you in person. Now we're re- remote again. Re- recovered from the bachelor party. Yeah, we're recovered. We're <laughs> hydrated. But guys, in case you're new on the par train, welcome aboard. If your golf game is off the rails, sick run the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The par train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. Because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The Part Train Podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Torpros, best-selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. We've got a PGA Tour Pro today yeah. uh, that I'm so excited to bring you guys. Chris Nagel, second time on the show, St. Louis native. We'll get to him in a second. But first, Serm, did you see the looks I was getting wearing my margarita polo, my rowback margarita polo at La Quivera in Cabo? While drinking? A margarita. Homemade margaritas. People were losing their minds. Where'd you get that polo? Where'd you get that polo? Where'd you get that polo? Roback.com. Enter the code train is what I told them. Get 15% like, off. You like heard of it? There was a lot of rowback <laughs> in our group. Tons of rowback in our group. Also some rowback at the course. These polos are incredible. Destination collection, city collection, whatever you want to call them. Other brands are starting to copy too. A buddy of mine had a Peter Millar from a distance. I'm like, what is that? Peter Millar looked ex- and it was like, you know, just like a margarita, like all these like little fun collects. Roback has changed the game for the polo. The par train is presented by Roback Activewear and we appreciate their support. And we know a ton of you guys are getting the discount. Roback.com, enter the code train. So whether it's a new polo for the summer, a hoodie, I'm wearing my hoodie right now. Serm's wearing the vest. A dad white hat we love. Yeah. Dad hat. <laughs> oh. Brian didn't like that term when I called it a dad hat, but it wow. is. He's, he's sensitive. I don't love it either, but he, he's really sensitive. You know, he can get sensitive. <laughs> he is a nope. sensitive guy. Yeah. Get yourself something good. Everything has four way stretch. They're coming out with new designs every week. So always check out rowback.com into the code train 15% off. Thank you to rowback and you guys deserve it. Get yourself something nice. A little background on Chris. Chris Nagel has been on mini tours, various tours, pro tour, PJ tour for many years and he is another classic example of sometimes and adam long said this pj tour winner also st louis native he said chris nagel might be and this was years ago might be the best player without status it's so hard to get status and chris nagel you call him the monday master chris nagel has been monday qualifying he's monday qualified at john deere had a chance to win he's right there all week we talked about what happened kind of down the stretch. And he also qualified for a second U.S. Open at the country club this year. So we talked about what he learned from playing in a second U.S. Open versus the first U.S. Open. I think this episode is great because you get a little bit behind the scenes of what it's like being on tour and trying to make it on the tour, but also what he does and how different it is than what the average player is. Yeah. So you're going to get some great pro tips there as well. Awesome episode. Great to have Chris back for a second time. One of my takeaways, he talked about his experience out there. He's been out there a long time and he's just right there, but it's taken 10 plus years. People forget it does take most of these guys a long time to get there. You just need that one great week, that one big break. But I loved how he talked about his different goals for different weeks. We talked 
comparing that approach to a Monday qualifier to an easier course versus that approach at a PGA tour event, which he's about to do, you know, easy courses, tougher course, love the short game talk at the end guys stay to the end. He just has such a good, he, has, he strikes me as such a good attitude, learned a lot from his experience, really believes in himself. So let's hope this is a great week for him. As always guys, thank you for hopping aboard. It means the world to us that you listen. We just dropped our new hats. I called the hat, the old Tom, because it's a Navy hat after the open championship logo. It's a nice, uh, it's, so a it's nice kind name. of an open championship uh, themed hat. That's at the partrain.com slash shop to get yourself that. That's probably going to sell out. They are uh, sharp. Any day now. Go give us a review on Apple Podcasts if we've helped you add in any value. That really means the world. That really helps us out. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're growing like crazy. Just said 60,000. People loving the St. Andrews post. I got another one planned for today about my experience at the road hole. You know, you got to play St. Andrews. We're all very jealous. It's my favorite place in the world. It's <laughs> yeah, the best. It's right I got to go. I got to go. In my background. No matter how you're hitting it, no matter how frustrating this game can get, Chris Nagel said it today. What do you got to do? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Chris Nagel, PJ Tour Pro and fellow St. Louis native. Welcome aboard again. Second time on the train. We're excited to have you, Chris. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. What's up, Chris? We're going to get into the last month. We're going to talk about a lot of things with your game. But first, maybe the most important thing to talk about, Chris, is Ryan Cermak and I just played golf at my bachelor party last weekend at Cabo. I don't know if you've ever played La Quivera. But you've probably seen the crazy fifth hole where the par four is on a cliff. It's this drivable par four where it's basically like an island par four green on a cliff that you can drive. And Ryan, he shot six under on the back nine. And he was telling everybody in Cabo. (laughs) I'm just curious if he's told you yet. I want to see if he's told everyone back in St. Louis or if he was just telling everybody in Cabo. Yeah, it's been a bit much. (laughs) <laughs> I have I have not heard of it, but uh, that's some that's some good shooting. I don't care where you're at. That's great playing. Cermak was on my team. Cermak went three under, and we got blitzed. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's tough hearing from Rye. He won't stop. But. <laughs> I'm sure there were some presses out too. Yeah, oh, there he, was. <laughs> yeah, he presses. He loves the press. Chris, every time we've talked to you, this is now our second time. You've torn it up. A couple U.S. Opens various PJ tour events. We were curious, do you think we talk to you because you tear it up or are you tearing it up because you're talking to us? Maybe it's a little bit of both. It yeah, could I mean, be that train. I'll, ta- I'll talk to you guys as long as I keep playing well. And I was curious, Chris, does this week feel different as a player with all the big names at the open? I just look at it as another tournament. To me, it doesn't really matter who's playing. Yeah. If you start picking out who's here and who's not here. I don't know. It just takes away from what I'm trying to do. So yeah, I don't really, it doesn't bother me who's here, who's not here. I just kind of look at it like that. Well, Chris, to ask you just a real simple question, what's your goal for this week? My goals change every week, it seems like, but I think okay. uh, the goal that stands the test of time, if I can have fun this week, I'll play well. That kind of seems to take care of itself. So I don't have like oh, I want to finish top 10 or I want to make the cut or I don't have those goals. I just, you know, I can't control, you know, bad bounces, good breaks, or, you know, I can just control myself having fun. And if I have fun, I tend to play well. So Chris, that's something you try to work on a little bit or get back to throughout the years just to have fun. Yeah, it's simple. I try not to complicate it. When I do complicate it, it, you know, never goes as planned. So yeah, um, I just try to have fun. That was the whole 
premise to go ahead and into the U.S. Open, just have fun, enjoy the week, and you know, didn't have any goals there, just enjoy it, have fun, and same thing at the John Deere, and same thing this week. What helps you have fun? Like, is it uh, do you talk about non golf stuff with your caddy? Is it about hitting shots? Like, for those that get to in their head out there, what is a good way that for you to to have fun? Uh, yeah, so I got a buddy on the bag, Michael Wellington, who's always good for some stories that you know is going to make the mood light, keep you entertained. So never a dull moment. Golf is kind of obviously it, it's what we're here to do, but it's you know the stories are more off the course related than on the course related. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up, Chris, because I was joking with Ryan, our mutual buddy, that when we plan our member guests together, we try and grind for six hours. And we're always trying to just make things happen. And I was like, Ryan, this year, we should have some go-to stories, some things that we know from knowing each other our whole lives that will just make us laugh and keep us light and try not and talk about golf while we're playing. Over the shot, let's laser in. But in between, have some fun, you know? 100%. There's so much downtime between shots. So if you're thinking golf when you're hitting the shot and then thinking golf in between shots, it's I don't know, just tend not to go well. Sir, I'm like, we've said this so many times on the show. I think one of the easiest trap that people say or do is, well, once I start riding the par train, I'll enjoy the ride. But actually, you have to enjoy the ride. And mm-hmm. then it's easier to ride the par train, which is kind of what you just said. You're trying but- to ride the birdie and eagle train. But for our <laughs> listeners, we like the par train. The birdie train doesn't Everybody's allow a lot of train. us on for very long. Right. So we're trying to let people ride for multiple holes, start to get comfortable, you know, but back in October, 2020, I re-listened to our conversation this morning. You probably don't know this, but you coined a phrase that I would say, sir, keep me honest, is probably a top five thing that we hear from our listeners the most, which is this idea of being aggressively conservative. That really struck a chord with a lot of people. And I think it's a really simple way to think about how to play better golf. Is that something that still is a key for you of how you think your way around the course? A hundred percent. I explain to people periodically that, you know, I might've shot 65, but I only hit it like three flags that day. Hmm. You know, Hmm. it's, it's 15 feet to the left of it or 10 feet to the right of it. It's, it's never like right at it unless you're perfect and there's nothing around it it's going to get you in trouble. You don't have to hit it to three feet to make a birdie. So I feel like I'm a pretty decent putter. So I'll take my chances from 10 to 25 feet all day long. Chris, I was having a conversation with one of my buddies who's like a 18, 20 handicap. He's like, I'm going for too many pins. I'm like, yeah. And it's easy to go for pins because we all have made a birdie in our life. Like you have a bad hole and you hit a great drive and you feel like you're in position, but that pin's a little tucked and it's like, well, I need to get it back, but you can't get it back. What's done is done from hole five to hole six. So talk about that. Just stay always staying in the moment in the present on that shot in that hole, because that's really all you can do, but it's tough. It's definitely a (laughs) a mental battle. (laughs) Yeah. You can't control what's already been done and and what's in the future. Only, you know, what you're doing present. I haven't told the story a lot, but my buddy, Sean Jasper, when he was playing golf, we played one day out at Boone Valley in the winter and they didn't have flags and (laughs) we just played, you know, we wanted to play. It was like 50 degrees and we played and he ended up shooting like seven under par with no flag sticks. He just hit it to the middle of every green. See if you can hoop a putt. And that stuck with me for every second. I was like, wow, it's, Mm. you know, amazing. 
It's all you can control. Middle of green all day. Yeah. Chris, I don't know if you know him. Do you know Matt Picanso Mm-mm. by chance? Okay. So he's been like a big mini tour guy for, for a long time. He started, I think a little bit late. He started when he was 30. I think he's 39 now, but we had him on the show last week and he said something that really stuck with me. What I got from him was confidence cannot come from seeing great shots. Like you have to practice being confident and believe and reiterate and affirm that you're good enough. And I think he won the second round of Q school and got to the finals. And even after winning, he got to the finals, saw big names, big guys, and started questioning himself again. And so it's a constant practice. Does that resonate with you? Because, you know, you're out there making a living and some days you don't feel great over the ball. So how do you practice your confidence or try and maintain confidence? Even when you're not seeing the shots you want to see. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. We do it every day. So for myself to say that, you know, there's days where you feel like you never played the game before. The average player is going to be, you know, totally worse. I always tell people, I feel like I know if I have it in the first couple of three holes the day I'm playing. And if I don't feel like I have it, I kind of go a little more conservative than I would, you know, instead of going 10 feet, I might go 25 feet. You know, if I can hit my spots and hit good putt, that kind of builds confidence. And maybe by the seventh or eighth hole, I've kind of changed the mood or the day. Mm. It's kind of just being aware how your body's feeling, what you're thinking, how things are shaping up. Not fighting it, right? Right. Not fighting it. I mean, you can go out and shoot 65 one day and the next day peel off of 74 and you're like, what just happened? It's a funny game. Well, Chris, to kind of pivot a little bit, You've had such great success in, in Monday qualifiers and would love for you to kind of talk through what a Monday qualifier is like for our listeners. Are you familiar with them? Maybe you're the Monday qualifier master. I mean, you just really know how to go out there and just sling around and make putts. But tell us about the Monday qualifier, the vibe, the guys that are there. And, and, and what is it about it that's, that, that feels, I don't want to say natural, but feels pretty good for you. The Monday shooters are filled with 60 to hundred guys on PJ tour, even more for corn Ferry. But I would say each Monday, you only got about, there's about 25 guys that have a chance. There's a lot of guys that are good players that can shoot two, three under, but may not be able to push through. I've always thought that the Monday courses are obviously easier than the tournament course. You're not going to see deep rough. You're not going to see fast green. So it is, it's an easier setup. So, you know, there's a bunch of birdies to be made. Sure. I feel like for me, when I approach it, my goal is to make nine birdies. If I can birdie half the holes, I have a serious chance. Now, a lot of times I don't make nine birdies, but if I'm, that's my goal to get to nine birdies, I have a, a pretty good chance of getting through. So that's kind of how I look at it. I just say, you know, I'm going to go out and try to make nine birdies. And, you know, if I fall short and make seven, still got a chance, six, maybe a playoff. If I make nine and I don't get in, then maybe we should do something different. That's a good that's example my approach. of what you said. Goals change week to week, depending on... Because like you said, it's at a different course, typically easier. So that goal is nine birdies for the day, as opposed to maybe having fun for the weekend. Is that fair or to cross? That's absolutely fair. Because my goal today is not to go out and make nine birdies. It's to, you know, one shot at a time. It's a 72 hole event where Monday is 18 holes. That's all you got. That's a great look in. Kind of reminds me of how amateurs play scrambles. So have you ever noticed that when you play a scramble, everyone's like, I've noticed that like on approach shots and short game shots, you normally put it pretty close, but because it's a scramble, you're like, oh, that's not good enough. We need like a tap. (laughs) Right. But you end up shooting better because you're trying to make it. 
<laughs> which is kind of like a similar idea for you, Chris, you know, to the average guy. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's not like you're charging the putts, but you're not scared to hit it three feet by. Yeah. Um, right. Where 72 hole event, you know, your pace might be a little more of a drip speed. Right. So people can understand because I don't even know this. Is there a limit? How do you get into a Monday qualifier? Like, what's the max number? How does that whole process work? I mean, you just pay your money. They'll gladly take anybody who wants to pay the <laughs> pay the fee. And how much? It's, does an, it it's cost? a nice fee, typically. <laughs> There's like 15 different categories from if you're a PGA Tour member, it doesn't cost you a thing to all the way up to amateurs are like 500 bucks. So it's okay. all across the borders. Like if you have status somewhere, it might be 300 or 100 or there's all kinds of categories. Yeah, for sure. And where does that money go? goes to the section and I think a little bit to the uh, either Corn Ferry or PGA Tour, but I think okay. mostly to the section. And then the course gets green fees. And so everybody's, you know, making a little bit. Chris, do you think that the difference between a guy that can do two to three under, like you referenced, to nine under like you is mental or is it their game physically? Probably a little bit of both, right? Yeah, I'd say both. You know, when I first got going and pro golf doing the Mondays, I didn't have much success. I was peeling off those two to two to four unders and wasn't quite there. Didn't have the experience and not going to say I didn't have the belief, but I kind of was like, you know, searching, what do I need to do to, you know, make two more, three more. And just for me, it was just over time and, and gaining that experience and just knowing what to do. It's experience. My older brother, Joe, who we've had on the show, he played on the Canadian tour for and Hooters tour for about three years got hurt and then kind of hung it up. You sometimes you just need time. Not saying he could have been a PGA tour player, but like, you've got to take it. You got to learn it, especially in different tours and different environments. Right. And it's your yeah. living proof of just how much better you got and time helps. And obviously the practice it, that you put in. Sure. Yeah. Time is essential for me. Year after year played more. I've kind of learned and understood what to do, what I need to do. It's kind of like, I guess, building a business when you, when you're first in business, you're, you're not very good at it. But if you're in business for 10 years, you're probably pretty good at it by then. You know, these guys that come out and go right to the tour, they're kind of a, they're a rare breed. They're special players. They've been playing since they were two or I'm not going to say it's not common, but it's few and far between a lot of the guys you see out there now, you know, they played many tours or whatever for four to six years before they kind of broke through. And once they learned it, they, they got it and off to the races. Sir, I'm thinking about our podcast six years ago. Today's actually our six-year anniversary of our first podcast. Sounds a lot better and, now than it did then. Yeah. Right, don't, Chris, don't listen to the first one. All right, it's bad. It's a real yeah, bad. It's, that's what they say. They say everybody's first podcast is terrible if you go back and listen to it. But obviously, you know, over time, you know where you want to go and how to do it and what you need to do. And, you know, here you are six years later. So, Chris, when I hear you talk, to me, what I hear it's the combination of self-belief. Last time you talked about, I've done it before. I've been here before. I can play with these guys. But also the self-belief with the detachment of knowing you're going to play your best when you have fun. So you're placing your goal on what frees you up in the past to play great. Whereas a lot of people that might have the belief that belief can get counteracted by trying too hard, wanting it too bad. Are those two things in line with what you're feeling? Because it's kind of, you kind of need both of those. You can't have one or the other. 100%. You can't force it. I think a lot of guys force it. You know, they say, okay, I got into a PJ tour event. I have to play good this week. 
Well, now you've just added pressure to yourself. Yeah. You know, I got into a PGA tour event. I want to go out and have fun. If I do that, tend to play well, not, it's not a guarantee. It's not a lock, but there's a a significant better chance that I'm going to play well. Well, Chris, you just had a great week recently at the, at the John Deere Silvis. It's such a fun course, play junior tournaments there. Talk us through that week. I mean, so cool to watch you. And and now you've got another great chance this week. I obviously Monday in again there. I have my family come up on Wednesday because they have this event called the Big Dig. I saw that. And it's you cool. Get, you get to go out to the the test facility at John Deere and they just, they let you, you know, they That's tell you how it works and they just let you go. So I got three little boys. So they're going to freak out. You know, <laughs> we, we turn the corner, they see this big bulldozer and they're just like so excited. They're shaking. So like, I was more excited about the week for them to come up and see that than maybe actually playing the event. So we did that on Wednesday night. They went back on Thursday morning and I was just kind of do my thing that have a low key week. Got some friends in the area. It's not far from St. Louis. So a lot of people came up to watch. And so, yeah, it was just a fun week. Got to see some people I hadn't seen in a while that came over from Chicago and Iowa. And then my oldest son and wife came back up on Saturday. The little two little ones went to the lake with grandma and grandpa. It was just a good week. It was fun. It was more maybe centered around family. I enjoy being around my family. That's probably the uh, <laughs> most people don't like being around their family <laughs> nowadays, it seems like, but I actually enjoy mine. So uh, good. that's fun for me. Uh, so, and then played well. So, what happened with down the stretch? Were you thinking about top 10? Cause you were, I'm trying to remember what were your, what were your days per day? What did you shoot each day? I shot five under five under four under, and then two over the last day I made nothing. I actually thought the greens were a little slower on Sunday than they were the whole week, mm. which is odd. And maybe, maybe just the areas I was putting from. So I wasn't making anything. And I, I knew a little bit what was going on. Like, you know, people were like, what, what about the open? I said, well, you know, if I get in the open, great. If I don't, great. You know, that's right. not going to affect me one way or the other at, at this point. I got a little frustrated on Sunday with the putter. And I think I was a little mentally worn down. Physically, I was fine. But mentally, I think I was a little worn down because on Monday, you know, I had to go out and grind it just to get in the event. Mm. So it's a long week. The last 10 holes, I was just tired mentally. I did notice it took me a little longer to get yardages than it normally did. Mm. I had to double check a few of them. So that tells me I'm a little tired mentally. I wouldn't say there's any negative. Yeah, I bogeyed for the last five or something like that, but I wouldn't take any negative from that week. It was a good week. Oh, for yeah. sure. No, no reason to. One round of golf is a mental challenge. So, I mean, four rounds of just in the tournament, you had your Monday qualifier and you had a practice round in there. It's always perspective, right? Even for the best players in the world or for, and for yourself, you just can get worn down and it's yeah. just battling through that, right? It's more like a lot of guys are fine physically. It's the mental part of it that, you know, strays a little bit. We're conditioned to walk 72 holes, swing a golf club, you know, do all that. But you're putting your mind through the grinder for five and a half hours every day. It kind of wears on you. What do you do to stay fresh mentally? Is it just the trying to not think golf in between shots and stay loose in between? Or what are some things that's helped you stay fresh mentally? Yeah. So like at night, I get away from golf. Like people ask me, did you watch this tournament? Did you see this? And I like, no, I don't, I don't watch golf on TV. Like I play it. So I don't need to watch it. Like I'll watch the majors. That's interesting to me, but I'm not going to go watch a random event and there's nothing against the event. I just, I've probably been at the golf course and this last thing I want to do is go watch more of it. So like, Oh, you know, having these three boys is amazing. 
they're wild. They're fun. They keep my mind off golf. That's my deal there. There's Nerf gun wars. I, I follow you. I, <laughs> I see mean, those wars. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we, uh, my middle one, he's getting some, uh, some like armor. So he's getting kitted oh. out for his Nerf gun. Next week's his fifth birthday. So it's going to get real. So yeah, I like doing that stuff. I like cooking yeah. on the green egg that takes me away from, from golf. At some point, like you just, we work on mental tactics, strategies for the course, but at some point you got to put all that away, right? It's just like, you got to do yeah. things that make you happy and, de-stress and those can just drive real benefits for your not only for your life but for your game too i think we it's just easy to forget about sometimes oh for sure i got off the social media i got instagram still but i got off like the twitter and the other stuff a while ago and life's been (laughs) so much better (laughs) yeah (laughs) less distractions Um, right less distractions it's you know you don't go down these rabbit holes i guess there's all kinds of tricks but for me just doing other things non-golf related All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from a quick sponsor, and then we'll get you right back to the show. So it is, I don't know about you guys, I live in an apartment with no air conditioning in Los Angeles, and we're on the third floor, and my apartment is packing heat. It's hot out there. Okay, it's actually hotter in my apartment than outside, but with that being said, I've got a ton of crazy trips this summer. I've already gone to Cabo, I'm going to Palm Springs, and I'm going to be playing in 100 plus degree heat every day, and it would be easy to get a sunburn out there. I know a lot of us leave sunscreen up to chance. We hope a buddy in the group has it. We hope the pro shop has some. We forgot to put it in our bags. Then you get that farmer's tan or worse, you get burned and it's painful. It's not good, right? I used oars and Alps my entire bachelor party. Every guy on the trip used it. I bought like six plus of them, SPF 30s. And nobody got burned. We loved the smell. It was not sticky at all. It's the best. I'm telling you, they are my go-to sunscreen now, Ors and Alps. Their SPF 30 has antioxidant vitamin C in it, which helps with moisturizing. It's not as drying as others. And more importantly, it doesn't have the crazy chemicals that a Copperton Sport or a Banana Boat has. So here's what you got to do. Go to oarsandalps.com, O-A-R-S and A-L-P-S.com. Enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. I just submitted another order for myself because I ran out after Cabo. So I'm stocking up. The cooling wipes are an awesome little addition to use maybe at the turn. Maybe wipe your face off, clean it up, and then reapply. That's a nice little pro tip that I learned from Cermak. And um, the SPF 30, SPF 50 spray one best sunscreen by men's health in 2021. And the ghost stick is another great option that won best product at the 2022 PGA show. So oarsandalps.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off, protect yourself out in the sun and get yourself something that you deserve. Great ingredients, great smell and great company Chicago based. They really got great people over there and they're a great partner of ours. So oarsandalps.com into the code train. Let's get back to the show. Chris, I love picking up on things that pros do that amateurs don't. And there's two things I just picked out. One was pros don't aim at the flag amateurs do. We've talked about that many times. The other thing is, and I, I fall in this bucket. I was just talking to Sir off air about this because I tend to roll the face open. And when I start seeing that right miss, I know it's a face issue and I can start getting really technical and I'm grinding at the range and I'm getting way too player side instead of target side. But everything you just said, is thinking less about the game. 
And some people might be listening and say, well, that's easy for a plus eight, plus nine handicap, whatever you are, a tour pro. But maybe that's what also helps you get to that level is thinking less about what well, you're doing. And on top of that, to come back fresh the next day for that practice session, right? Or for that, that round. Sure. Yeah, there's definitely time for like, I obviously I go through mechanics and work on my, you know, technique and, and try to hone my skills in, but that's a very short amount of time in my practice each day. Like that might be 10 or 15 minutes. And then I go to, okay, I'm trying to hit a low cut or a high draw or a medium straight ball, or, you know, you, you do those mechanics to make sure you're in decent positions, but then you got to hit the shot. Tiger always talked about if he could hit his nine shots, the, the low fade, medium fade, high fade, and all the way around to the draws. If you can hit those, your golf swing is in a pretty good position. And now you just go play. You just hit those shots when you're on the golf course. And so I put more emphasis on, you know, hitting shots than mechanics where I would say the amateur is, they're constantly worried They hit one bad shot and they think they, you know, they got to rework their whole golf swing Right. where if you watch golf on TV, those guys hit it all over the place. They just recover better than everyone. Chris, how did the John Deere feel different? Obviously it's an entirely different tournament than us open, right? Par is a great score that a us open, but just as a player playing them so close apart, how did that impact you? mentally did they feel similar did you take a totally different approach yeah because i mean the john deere you know that the score is going to be 20 plus to win so it's not a pars are are good and the bogey's not going to kill you it's they're wider fairways it's a shorter golf course you're gonna have shorter clubs and you're gonna ultimately have shorter putts it's you know it's just a different different kind of style golf the rough's not as thick you're gonna reach all the par fives with a good drive just totally different golf yeah you know us open pars are good uh john deere just trying to make birdies and what did you find different in your second us open than shinnecock i was more comfortable this this time around just i knew what to expect you know kind of how the whole operation is everything's done on such a grand scale how to prepare the shinnecock when i got there was you step on property you're like wow this is large this is you know this is huge everything's done to the grandest scale it can be done showing up at the country club. I, I knew what to expect and just kind of, if I do my thing, not worry about what other people are doing, I'll be fine. It's a big golf course. Did you feel like a lot of the holes set pretty decently for you? What, what was your overall thoughts on the course? I think the country club was, it's one of those courses. I've never really understood people say, Oh, I could play this golf course for the rest of my life. It's that kind of place. I've never really understood that. And then stepping foot on the country club, it was just, it was really cool. Old school, you know, they built it with dynamite and horses. Like they didn't, you know, the landscape is landscape. You play through rock outcroppings and it's just really cool. I liked every hole. The 11th hole was like a 125 yards. You could throw it on the green. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, I played it in plus two. Like you could make a mess of the thing real quick. It was just very unique. Had a great mixture of long and short holes. Very fair. If anybody complained, I always say they were just playing bad because it was such a fair setup. It was just really difficult. Hmm. I like the way it looked. If it looks good to my eye, you feel good about it. Chris, on really fast greens, which makes us always think of the US Open. I mean, you always plan fast greens. Do you change anything mechanically with your stroke or your setup? Just just curious, or do you just really focused? Obviously, speed is such a premium. Yeah, I don't change anything. I actually think the more you play on fast greens, 
the easier it is to make putts. The, the ball rolls truer, yep. holds its line better. Just the average player doesn't get to see that that often. So when they get on fast screens, they kind of freak out a little bit. It's a smaller stroke. I think it's easier to, you know, maintain that stroke. It's half of what it probably would be. So shouldn't go too awry, but yeah, the faster, the better for me. Well, Chris, we've been talking about this all year. We've been saying this is the year of the short game, meaning we've been trying to tell people myself included that instead of spending 99% of our time at the range, we need to do at least 50, 50. So if I'm going to go and practice for an hour, I need to do 50% at the range, 50% at the short game area. And I've started to see some big changes. We've gotten a ton of messages that other people have as well. But at my bachelor party, like I mentioned, Cermak and I were playing together as a team. And I started taking shots or making a motion at the wrong times. So I might have a ball that's sitting down a little bit and taking the same motion that I do with a ball that's sitting up. And Serm's always told me, Serm has a great short game. Serm's always told me the lie dictates the shot. But I wanted to ask you, help people understand if they're starting from zero, what are some things that has helped you practice different shots around the green? Have a better short game, have good touch, understand what to do with different lies. Because what I was talking to Serm about, it's kind of difficult to commit where if you have a motion that produces consistent feel, good contact. You probably are going to want to lean into that out of just pure confidence. But then if that doesn't work for the shot, using something you're not used to in an uncommitted way, but in a way that it calls for, it's kind of a tough balance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Don't try something you haven't practiced for sure. (laughs) I love where you're going with the short game. I think if people did it, it's not glamorous, but if you did 80% short game, 20% hitting, you'd probably there play even better because your yeah. short game is bails you out more than more often than not. Being able to get it up and down or turning a six into a five is going to give you more confidence in your long game anyway. Um, yep. Just frees you up because then you're not so scared to hit it in the bunker over here. You're like, I'm not, you know, I'm okay. I'm in a bunker. I got a chance to get it up and down for parts. not going to kill me where you know, if you don't practice, you're terrified. Right. So how do you practice your short game? I play games. I have multiple little games I play. I use TrackMan for wedges, getting distance for, you know, 60 to like 130. But around the green, I play a game where there's like 30 points and I, I'll take three balls. I'll chip them around the various flags and at least one ball has to get inside a club length to get a point. If, if you don't get any of them, you you subtract and you get three for a make and you just go until you get 30 points. So it could be 30 minutes or it could be an hour and a half just depends on, on the day and maybe the shots you choose. But yeah, a lot of it is reading lies. The lie does dictate the shot. I agree with that a hundred percent different techniques for different lies. So all different flags, three balls in different positions, rarely the same shot twice. I assume. Yeah. Bunkers, you know, fairway grass, rough, you just, just learn, you just learn what different lies do. Like, you know, if it's buried, it's going to, it's going to release. If it's not buried, you might be able to spin it a little bit. And then mm. you got to put that in the memory bank. Chris, do you have a, um, a Chris Nagel specialty shot around the green? Some are very good putters from far off the green. Some use the old five wood. Some can pull out a six iron, you know, and do wonders with it on a long chip. I was just curious, like something in your arsenal that you can lean on or bring out once in a while i use a 60 
pretty much for every shot, unless I got to like run it up a hill, then I might go 55 or 50. Sure. I think the greens have gotten so fast that chipping with a nine iron is not really a, an option or it's eight iron. It's just not conducive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to hit never, it's going to go to the other side of the fringe. So I think a lot of guys go to the 60 or 55 or 56 or whatever their middle wedge might be. Um, use height to stop it rather than letting it run out. It's just a little more predictable. If you do the same thing over and over, you get pretty good at it. My brother's talked about that kind of a one club chipper, you know, the tougher the greens are smaller. They are faster. Just got to get good yeah. at checking and spinning it. Yeah. Would you recommend that to the average guy that's playing on random courses? Or do you think for the average player, it's better to have different clubs for different shots? I would, I would tell the average player to use like their middle wedge, you know, open it up a little bit, use some bounce rather than a 60s kind of like a specialty club, right? You don't right. really use it unless you're around the green and you're opening it up. So you're showing a lot of loft. It's hard to get grip on the ball unless you're doing it day in and day out. So I would tell them to just use their middle wedge. They got a little more face showing. They can still kind of get some spin on it. A little more predictable, probably playing on greens that are a little softer, a little slower. I see a lot of guys chip with their 60 that shouldn't be. They just they should be chipping with their 55 or 50. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the show, okay? Big news. Actually, breaking news. Leather belts on the golf course, they're dead, okay? Leather belts, they get all weird when it gets sweaty, and they don't flex. I mean, it's just old school. And, you know, it's 2022. Let's start playing golf in the age that we're in. But the best part about Roosta's belts is that you can make it whatever you want. So it's woven stretch and they've got this awesome, subtle Roosta's logo. Now don't get this mixed up with Red Rooster, our glove sponsor. Okay. Roosta's with an A is our favorite belt in the game. And we talked about them a couple months ago. They're hopping back on board because so many of you have been loving and buying all of their belts. And so we're excited to have them back on board. But to me, what I love most about the Roosters belts is you can kind of walk the line of what you want. If you want a little flair and spruce up your outfit, wear something different, you can. I've got a black Roosters belt. I think it's the Oahu that has little specks of white. And the reason I like that one the most is because it basically works with any outfit. But I've also got some other fresh color ones, right? With maybe some royal blues or abandoned green. So if you want a little flair, they got that. But if you want something more classic, if you want like a khaki or a black or a solid color, even a white, they've got those too. So go to shoproostas.com. That's S-H-O-P-R-O-O-S-T-A-S.com. Enter the code train. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Okay, that's unheard of. And take your outfit to the next level. I know you guys are buying a ton of rollback. Why don't we take that rollback stretch to your belt game? Okay, I know so many of you've got them. I'm getting a few more colors because I just love them so much. I fully hope you do the same. So shoproostas.com, enter the code train, 20% off and free shipping. All right, let's get back to the show. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this because I believe, keep me honest. I believe you hold the course record at Meadowbrook country club. Is this true? Yeah, but it's been renovated. So it's, oh. it's up for grabs. When they oh. renovate the course record is no longer valid. 
Yeah, we got some. We got. Well, it has to be. Of course, another hundred and thirty <laughs> yards longer and new bunkering and new greens, or some of the greens have been kind of. You know, Ryan's coming off a six under, you know, on the back nine. Sixty nine's not going to do it for the course record, but you know. So Chris, I've gotten in trouble. You know, you know, I play the member guest there with Ryan every year, and I come from Southern California now, where I can spray it anywhere. And then I go to Meadowbrook and you take the wrong angle and you're in jail. So I've had to unlearn the intimidation factor. I've tried to see the beauty in it and I've tried to put less pressure on myself to be in position from a former course record holder to me. How do I play? What's the best way to play Meadowbrook Country Club? For an average player, what would you say? Well, are you playing the fall member guest or did you play the member guest a couple weeks ago? Fall. Well, so they've removed some trees, so you might be in luck. Oh, oh. Um, see, that's good. <laughs> 10 looks a little different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 10, I'm always you, in the trees. <laughs> that's a good on, hole. Uh, yeah. On a hole that doesn't like look good to you, I don't know what your go-to shot is, but just, you know, three if it's a three wood, take three wood. I mean, get it and play. I mean, what's an extra 25 yards on a you know, 420 yard hole. I mean, it's difference between a wedge and a nine or an eight or, you know, however far you hit it. Just the, the main objective is to get it in play. Cause that's your, your tee shot, your driver through it is a scoring club. If you don't get it in play, you can't score. So mm. it's a scoring club. My opinion It's drivers of yeah. scoring club and putters a scoring club. 11 has always been a hole. That's been a intimidating, tough shot for me because I draw it or I like to draw it that hole calls for a cut and it's a par five and I've rarely gotten on anyways. So I probably should just hit three wood on 11. Yeah. Hit three wood laid up to, you know, a wedge and do it the old fashioned way. Yeah. Totally. Although you got some new bunkers on the left to catch you from the Creek. If you do hit driver. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. Well, that's so good. Some, some buffer there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I think good that's day. good for the average player to hear. Cause I think it's, you know, you look at the decade stuff and everything. It's like, I got to hit driver. I got to hit driver. And Cermak was hitting hybrids sometimes just because it didn't. That's the actually it's interesting. You said that because that's the thing that I noticed that Cermak said. It wasn't necessarily that he's trying to hit it to a certain yardage. It was more about I'm just not quite sure on what to hit. So <laughs> I'd rather hit it to the fattest spot and I can play the hole from there. Yeah, no, I, so that you mentioned the decade, I agree with the decade stuff, driver, 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 but sometimes a hole just doesn't look good to you or you don't play very well. I just, the stat might say hit driver, but sometimes it's just a four iron and take that long second shot and try to make par and move on. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it sometimes is just like when we were playing out in Cabo, big dog legs and hills and trouble. And you just don't know what you don't, you can't find something that you like to look at with a driver. So it's like, I got to find something I'm going to like, because I know I'm going to like something on the net, maybe the next hole or the hole after, right. It's just kind of that hole. You just got to play it a little different because it's just how you feel. Yeah. Comfort statistics tell you one thing, but if you're feeling odd about it, you got to trust your gut in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's what Morikawa tells his coach. We've had his coach on twice and Morikawa is all about comfort. The guy could probably hit every shot, but he hits his shot, you know? Even at the, I think it was at the U.S. Open, he was hitting draws. He's been a cutter forever, how long? And he went with the draw just because that's kind of what was there. Yeah. 
a lot of what I think, sir, what Chris is saying today is have fun, take a lot of the pressure off, save energy and make the game easier on yourself. Like just hit it to spots that give you the best chance, aggressively conservative still. But if a guy like Chris is trying to hit it to 25 feet from the hole, I think we probably should aim a little bit farther away as well. <laughs> Middle of the green never moves. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, it, ta- and it, it takes time to learn how to be disciplined, right, Chris? Didn't happen overnight. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard. I mean, you have a nine iron or a wedge in your hand and, you know, you you feel like you should just stuff it in there. And sometimes you just got to aim a little left or a little right and take your eight to 25 footer. I mean, it's always interesting looking at like proximity to the hole for tour players. And you tell that to the average player and they're like, no, that's not right. Well, I'm like, well, there's <laughs> stats. So, cause they're, they think you should hit a sandwich to three feet, every hole. And it's like, I think the average from hundred yards is like 18 feet. So that means there's some 10 footers and there's some 30 footers. It's a great point because typically the telecast is just, the great shots, but the highlight. major, major weeks when you can watch the stream of every shot, every player, that's what people really need to take away. And like you said, everybody hits crazy shots and terrible putts, but yeah. you guys just get to the next better, you know? Yeah. You just recover a little quicker. Yeah. You go watch the guy that's in 75th place and you're like, I can hit that shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing that really stuck out to me when I walked uh, Riviera this past year, I would highly recommend anyone that's ever not gone to a golf event by themselves. It's actually an amazing experience just to walk the course, be on your own, watch shots. I mean, that's the thing that stood out to me is they're hitting it all over the map, but they're putting it to three feet around the greens, no matter where they are, at least a eight footer in to give themselves a look. And a lot of times they're, they're hooping that. So you're right. I yeah. mean, maybe we could all be spending 80% of our time around the greens, just practicing different lies, different clubs, different feels. Yeah. Chris doesn't want to hear 50, 80. Uh, 80, at least 80. We'll see. It's funny, Chris. <laughs> I went yesterday. Uh, I went straight to the short game area and I admit I got really frustrated because there's people around and I'm trying to practice more of a, I guess a draw type shot. Whereas my other is kind of like light hands, kind of a cut light motion. And that was terrible like terrible chunks over the like hardly any even on the green i'm talking short long everything like i just started my first session of trying to work through shots and it's like i gotta remember well clearly that's part of it i have to find it in the dirt of what's working and use that to understand how to hit it better the next time that's part of it the best tips i ever got was from uh, Jay Delsing. He played the tour for many years yeah. and he would always just put a tee in the green and try to hit, like land the ball on the tee. It took mechanics out. It took everything out. It was your only goal was try to hit that, land the ball on the tee, trying to hit it to a spot and then let it release to a hole or whatever. So you just, just try to hit the tee. If you're getting it within a foot of that tee, you're probably hitting really good shots. Mm. You're giving yourself some room for air. You're not worried about other things, just trying to get it to that tee. Chris, it's because we always, the long game, talk about target, but with short game, it seems to disappear a lot. To your point, you just got to get back to target. In the short game, you're hit, trying to hit a spot. Just hit your spot. Yeah. Find yeah. where you got to hit the spot and then how far it's going to release, hit your spot. It's we, we make it so complicated. It doesn't have to be that complicated. And also, I wasn't playing a game. 
So that would have made it more fun too. If I was actually making a game out of that would have freeze you up instead of, you know, getting down on myself for not hitting it close. My first freaking time trying new yeah. stuff. That's it. Like guys, I see guys, they'll go out to the chipping green. They got, you know, they pull a bag of 50 balls and they hit the same shot 50 times. And it's like, I don't know what that does for you. Right. Play games, mix it up. Never hit more than the same shot four times, five times, maybe just move around. That's how you get better. Chris, as always, we we're always cheering you on. You beat a lot of great guys at the U.S. Open. Bryson DeChambeau, Victor Hovland, Furek, Phil, Sergio. I mean, the list goes on. So clearly, we know you can play out there. You can be out there with anyone. You know it. We're excited to see you have a lot of fun this week. That's right. And we're ready to see you (laughs) take care of business. Thank you for hopping aboard, Chris. We appreciate it. Yeah, we're rooting for you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Good to talking to you, boys. You too, man. See you.